And the result of this analysis was, as one might expect, an inverse correlation. In other words, the largest studies reported the smallest beneficial effects, and the smaller studies reported larger effects. And this is called regression to the mean. The result basically showed that the aggregate of all the studies assessed were not statistically different from what you would get if you had been testing a placebo. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues. Hello and welcome to The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. On this episode, homeopathy and the placebo effect. Homeopathy is one of the most successful medical businesses on the planet, with a market size in the billions of dollars. In addition, there is no scientific evidence that it works better than a sugar pill. The scientific basis of homeopathy is entirely missing. What's the deal? Amazingly, homeopathy users can purchase their unregulated products in drugstores, where they are sold alongside evidence-based medicines that have been scientifically demonstrated to be effective. One might think that the government would require placebos to have big red warning labels telling users that they contain uh, no active ingredients and they've never been scientifically validated. One would be wrong. Homeopathic medicines have scientific-sounding Latin names like oscillococcinum, caliobichromicum, and ferrum phosphoricum. The lack of labeling and regulatory requirements are often finessed by those in the industry using the fact that they contain no active ingredients, so they're completely non-toxic. As long as no claims of effectiveness are made, they can be pushed on unsuspecting shoppers with minimal safety testing and no need for the rigorous quality control that is typically required in pharmaceutical products. Profit margins for the sale of sugar pills are astronomical. And yet, and yet, pro-homeopathy groups abound on Facebook. Look around. Your neighbors are into this stuff. Millions of people swear by it. They even give it to their pets. Why do they do it? Because it appears to work. This is the placebo effect. The placebo effect is well known in modern medicine. It provides relief from pain and anxiety with no side effects. This is a good thing. If you enjoy my content, please hit like. Please share it with your friends. Give me some comments and feedback. I'd love to hear what you're talking about or what interests you. You can comment on my Facebook page at Al Scott Rational. And please subscribe to my podcast. I'll try and keep them coming. So homeopathy. It's a theory of medicine created in 1796 by Samuel Hahnemann. 70 full years before scientists learned of the germ theory of disease. Homeopathy cures are based on the ancient theory that like cures like. This is an ancient idea passed down from before Hippocrates. The thought is that a substance that causes similar symptoms to a disease can be used to treat that particular disease. So in homeopathy think, Poison ivy can cure herpes because they both cause red welts. Caffeine can cure anxiety and heart palpitations because they both uh, 
increase the blood pressure and uh, cause your heart to beat fast. In science, we have become we have come to realize that this like cures like is really only effective for vaccines, which ironically many homeopaths reject. In fact, in my hometown, um, there's a an annual ad in the paper from the local homeopath proposing uh, homeopathic flu vaccines, uh, which have no side effects and are safe and playing on the fears of, of the vaccine or the anti-vax movement. If you want to hear more about this, please listen to my podcast on vaccinations. So the principle of similarity or like cures like is a dogma in, among homeopaths which must be believed. There is neither rational nor empirical support to justify this assumption. And, and homeopathic cures or, or new medicines are, are made up by a group of elder homeopaths uh, without any sort of scientific studying whatsoever. They, they test it on themselves and, and they, they have diaries where they write down their subjective feelings. And if uh, they feel that uh, the symptoms are there, then they can use this as a, as a cure. Um, the other basic principle of homeopathy is that dilution of a treatment increases its effectiveness. In other words, the less of a medicine you get, the more effective it is. Now, in the 16th century, this was probably a very good thing that made homeopathy stand out against the more egregious medical treatments of the time, but this is mainly because many of the medical treatments of the time were not scientifically proven either and could have included a lot of toxic stuff that would probably kill you if it wasn't heavily diluted. So I think medicine has progressed somewhat since then. And then there's the third secret to homeopathic medicine. And I quote uh, from a homeopathic webpage, through serial dilution and shaking, matter is successively imbued with the power to heal by becoming accessible to the regenerative capacity all living things possess. Thus, remedies start off in the form of matter, but are translated into energy, which in turn can influence the energetic regenerative field everywhere in the body. Now, this sort of hocus-pocus is common on the homeopathic websites, uh, and and pushes the spirit-like power of vitalism, this ancient uh, idea that uh, life is some sort of thing apart from physics and chemistry, and there's a spark of life that is different uh, from the physics and the chemistry that governs every other thing in the universe. Of the fields known to physics, regenerative is not one. The microscopic means of cellular regeneration has been well-defined by modern medicine, and it's derived entirely from the known scientific laws of physics, chemistry, and biology. Now, yes, most medicines do suggest that you shake well before dispensing, but this is not meant to imbue the medicine with magical healing power and turn it from matter to energy. For modern medicines, shaking just mixes the ingredients and makes sure that you get a uniform dose of the active ingredient so that none of it has settled out to the bottom of the vial. The extra energy of shaking will slightly increase the temperature of a vial of water, but that's about it. 
you're not going to change the effectiveness of a medical treatment or a medical compound by shaking it. This would actually require a chemical change, and you'd have to shake it pretty darn hard to change its chemical makeup. This would require some serious heating to change, to, to change the energy of the chemical bonds which define the medicine. And I doubt, I highly doubt, it would improve the effectiveness either. The most powerful homeopathic remedies have been diluted until the so-called active ingredient is completely gone. Not a single atom of the treatment remains in the strongest of homeopathic medicine. If diluting medicines made them stronger, then one might imagine that pure tap water would cure everything because obviously water has at some point touched everything else. And if water has a memory, as homeopaths claim, then your tap water remembers everything that it's ever touched in the history of the world. With no ability to find what this actually means, I don't think it holds much water, shall we say. Scientifically, the memory of water, of the, of the diluents that it's touched, lasts less than a picosecond. And this is the, the sort of rearrangement of the interactions between water molecules through the hydrogen bond network and is really advanced physics and chemistry that you don't need to know because it just doesn't support homeopathy in the least. There is no scientific basis. Now, apologists appeal to some hodgepodge of quantum theory, relativity, and non-Euclidean math to baffle listeners and, and create an air of mystique and thus the, the, the long Latin names. Water memory is claimed to be caused by quantum entanglement between the diluent and the water. And this uh, entanglement, uh, although a quantum entanglement is a real thing, uh, it doesn't last the sort of way, the sort of length that homeopathy requires. And this entanglement is often extended to the patient in any sort of clinical trial of homeopathy in a way that Failures of randomized controlled trials can conveniently be blamed on scientists observing the trial, and thus the collapse of the entangled magical state which causes the healing. Um, as you can probably guess from what I'm saying, I probably don't respect this uh, idea very much. The truth is much more mundane. Homeopathy is a sugar pill. It's a sugar pill that makes you feel better, just like any other sugar pill does. Homeopathy is now the second largest therapeutic system in use in the world. And I think I blame a little bit the, the degradation of respect for knowledge, uh, the degradation of our educational system, um, the demonization of expertise, and people not trusting doctors and the medical system. Homeopathy now has a strong online community who swear by it. Homeopaths and naturopath websites are rife with unsupported claims of effectiveness. A naturopath posted on a blog on a site touting unproven homeopathic remedies for the prevention of flu, which of course is breaking the rules, as I've mentioned, since there's no effectiveness uh, demonstrated through scientific testing. And they reminded 
on their blog, and they reminded anyone feeling pressure to get vaccinated, they should be aware that nature offers safe and effective options for the prevention and treatment of many seasonal infections, not just the flu. So thank you, nature, for that. Homeopathy websites will tell you that there are several well-designed double-blind studies that show positive results. Now, the more honest sites will also tell you that more research is needed to replicate these findings. What does the science say? And this is where I can help you. I can read the papers and look at the reviews. Adequately controlled large trials show no benefits of homeopathy beyond that of a placebo, as expected from the lack of a scientific basis. There are many positive studies, and some are published in the scientific literature, and these claim to show an effect. And on small studies, effects do happen. And this is through statistical variations and mistakes. And these isolated false positives are common in science, and that's why to be accepted as a scientific principle, you need to be able to replicate something again and again. You need to have independent laboratories following the same path, getting the same conclusion. You can't just cherry pick your data for the one positive statistical fluke and publish it and hope that that is going to be good enough. And if you have enough of these studies, then people can cherry pick and say, look at all these studies, but none of them support each other. In fact, a famous meta-analysis in 2005, and a meta-analysis is an analysis of several other studies, uh, statistically measuring their, their weight and their significance. So this meta-analysis studied these positive studies and plotted the magnitude of the effect versus the statistical strength of the study. Now, statistical strength tells you roughly how many participants there were. Um, and the more participants you have, the better you can trust your result, because then you can tell that the statistical significance of the result will be higher if you have a bigger study. And the result of this analysis was, as one might expect, an inverse correlation. In other words, the largest studies reported the smallest beneficial effects, and the smaller studies reported larger effects. And this is called regression to the mean. The result basically showed that the aggregate of all the studies assessed were not statistically different from what you would get if you had been testing a placebo. Now a placebo, what is a placebo? I've been mentioning this word and I haven't really explained it well. A placebo is a harmless pill, a medicine, or procedure prescribed more for the psychological benefit to the patient than for the physiological effect or the healing effect uh, on the chemistry of the body. Now, based on our knowledge of physics and medicine, it is clear that homeopathic remedies are indistinguishable from placebos. Supporters, however, say that placebos are very helpful. They certainly don't cause harm. Uh, they don't make things worse. They don't heal any of your illnesses either, though. So in that case, they can be dangerous. If you have uh, something that needs modern medicine to be healed, then taking a placebo will not help you, and you will die or get worse. But when, when and why do placebos help? As I say, they don't help with everything. There's certainly not much help for acute injuries. They're not going to cure cancer. 
They're not going to heal lacerations. They're not going to regrow lost fingers. However, they are helpful for symptoms modulated by the brain. A placebo helps with the perception of pain, for example. They've been shown to be most effective for conditions like uh, chronic pain management, stress-related insomnia, and treating the side effects of cancer treatments like fatigue and nausea. So subjective things uh, can be influenced through placebos. In fact, in early clinical trials for, for uh, medical drugs, the capabilities of new treatments were used to be measured against a group of people who took no medication. However, since science has discovered that the simple act of taking an empty tablet can produce an effect or uh, a subjective improvement in one's condition, it is now considered essential that for every drug tested, you have a third group of participants that are given a placebo or a fake treatment so that um, you know that your drug is better than just the fact of getting a fake pill. And this is the thing where, where homeopath, homeopathy fails. For years, placebos have been the comparison standard to determine if a medicine is effective or not. How placebos work is still not quite understood by science, but it involves a com complex neurobiological reaction in the brain that includes everything from increases in the, your feel-good neurotransmitters like endorphins and, and dopamine. And people have looked at the brain under uh, magnetic resonance imaging, and they see greater activity in, in brain regions linked to moods and emotional reactions and self-awareness. And all of this can have therapeutic benefit. But what triggers the placebo effect? What, what makes this reaction happen? Is it the act of taking a treatment, swallowing a pill? It can actually also include the ritual of visiting the doctor and being examined, and being diagnosed, and being provided a course of treatment by someone you trust to cure your problem. Now, supporters of homeopathy suggest that the undivided attention you get from a practitioner is a sufficient benefit to support homeopathy as a viable medical treatment. And I'm sorry for those of you who are listening in and, and believed that it was actually doing something else. Uh, I may be uh, affecting your treatments, so I apologize for that. Certainly the mental health benefits people get from seeing a trained psychologist, for example, uh, to discuss their problems are seen as worthwhile even to uh, scientists. So this argument isn't without merit. The use of placebos is something that's worth investigating. And homeopathy is not alone at all in this field of placebo medicine. In fact, you know, most of medicine was placebo back in the old days before science got its nose in there and found ways to reproducibly improve people's health. Re researchers have repeatedly shown other interventions such as sham acupuncture is as effective as the real, quote-unquote, real thing. Now, sham acupuncture uses retractable needles that uh, don't pierce the skin. There's just a pressure, uh, but the person doesn't actually get the uh, acupuncture. And they find that it works just as well in, in clinical trials, anyways. Finding a way to take advantage of pain relief and mood stabilization without pharmacological side effects would be a huge benefit to society. The pain relief market the medicines of that people take for pain relief is in the billions similar to homeopathy. 
And some of these drugs have very nasty side effects. Uh, overdoses can kill you. Or they could cause dependency. Look at what's happening with opioids these days. So, and you know, placebo effects are real effects. I've experienced them in the past myself. I once had a, a bad anxiety attack and I couldn't stop shaking. My heart was racing. I thought it was having a bad reaction to something or a heart attack or, or something. And I, I finally uh, convinced myself that I needed to go to the emergency center at the hospital. Of course, we have, for those of you in other countries, we do have socialized health care in Canada, so we can do that without uh, going bankrupt. And by the time I arrived at the hospital, knowing that I was going to be safe and be seen by a doctor, the attack ended on its own and I went home. And that was the placebo effect of approaching the hospital. So what causes the placebo effect? Why do people get better when they're not taking any active medications? Well, part of the placebo effect can be described through regression to the mean. Now, regression to the mean, I mentioned before, but in this case, I mean something a little bit differently. Specifically, most people, when they go to the doctor to get treatment, are doing that when their symptoms are particularly bad. They try to wait it out at home until they feel that they are beyond their means and they need help. So in the natural course of many illnesses, you get worse and worse and then you start getting better at some point. Well, if you go to the doctor whenever you're at your worst, and whatever doctor this is, it's a naturopath, a homeopath, or a regular doctor, um, oftentimes you're going to heal. If your body is already fighting the disease or whatever is making you sick, you're going to be healing soon anyways. You may have a cold for six or seven days and you just can't kick it, and so you decide to go to the doctor or the homeopath, and then you get better soon after. Well, you probably would have gotten better anyways without any treatment. So this is one aspect uh, that's behind the placebo effect. Another aspect, patients will tend to focus on the positive once they are getting treatment. They feel relax that an expert has the knowledge and is treating them and they may be looking for signs that they are improving and this is self-bias this is uh, you're looking for improvements at this point rather than fearing uh, degradation in your in your status and the element of belief seems to be a significant part of the placebo effect expectations can relate to the treatment the substance or the prescribing doctor and this expectation may cause a drop in stress hormones that uh, are affecting your recovery or cause patients to recategorize their symptoms. For instance, a sharp pain after seeing a doctor might instead be perceived as an uncomfortable tingling. There's also some evidence that the SIBO effect is a favorable reaction to care and attention from people who patients believe can help ease their suffering and distress. As an example, researchers associated with Harvard's Placebo Studies Program published a study in 2008 that illustrates this aspect of the response very nicely. The volunteers for the study were people with irritable bowel syndrome, and this is a condition that causes abdominal pain and changes in bowel movements in the absence of any uh, discernible physical changes to the bowel. So there's possibly a brain-gut link in this disease. The placebo treatment was sham acupuncture, as I mentioned before, which involves the use of retracting needles that the patient doesn't realize are not uh, penetrating the skin. The placebo effect 
of the sham acupuncture needles was impressive in the study. 44% of those treated with just the sham needles reported relief from their IBS problems. Now, when the sham acupuncture was combined with an attentive, empathetic interaction with the acupuncturist, the placebo effect got even larger, with 62%, more than half of the patients, reporting relief from their IBS uh, problems. On the other hand, uh, there's a, something called a nocebo effect, and it o- operates in reverse. If the individual does not expect their drug or treatment to work or uh, is suspicious of the experts that are treating them, the, the placebo can actually generate negative outcomes. Uh, so this is called the nocebo effect. Now, recent studies have shown that the element of belief is not actually required. So even though you're listening to this uh, podcast and understanding that homeopathy is sugar pills, you may still be able to get a positive effect by using that medicine. I urge you not to support the homeopathic industry, though. There are probably better ways you can get uh, sugar pills without paying for the name homeopathy. In fact, studies have shown that people can get relief from migraines and irritable bowel syndrome even if they're told they're receiving a placebo. So that's interesting. It's not as strong an effect as if they believe in it. Um, But people just don't understand how the brain is linked to these things. The brain is a very complex organ and its interactions with the body are somewhat unknown. Now, Some researchers, as I said, are hoping to harness the placebo effect to help patients deal with the pain. And it seems likely that homeopaths and acupuncturists have already figured this one out. And this is fine for maintenance of chronic pain uh, and anxiety. Just make sure you aren't looking to these sham treatments to cure a disease that actually requires treatment. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. I hope you learned something. If you want to discuss this podcast or give me some ideas for uh, new podcasts that you're interested in, please come to my Facebook page at Al Scott Rational. We'll see you next time. This is Al Scott signing off for The Rational View. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please consider visiting my patron page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com slash the rational view. And just for fun, if you're still here, here's a little blurb from my son. Hello, my name is Popcorn. I'm the youngest person ever. I would like to introduce everybody to everyone in the whole galaxy. I would like everyone to say hi to everyone when I meet a new person and have fun. I'd like to introduce yourself to the whole galaxy. It's full of all new things that you have never seen, like animals, sharks, and crocodiles, and dinosaurs that were living before us. I hope you have fun. Bye!